Does the foundation manage the languages that are supported? Like, does the foundation make sure that there's a good community of Elixir or Node.js, obviously Node.js, but like if I was a language developer and stuff, like what is the process of me getting into the foundation for my GraphQL server in my language? Absolutely great question. So there's actually two parts to your question, which you may not realize. And the first thing is, no, the foundation has no say over this whatsoever. The whole point of the technical steering committee is to deal with the technical aspects of GraphQL. The foundation is purely there kind of to support the ecosystem in terms of like funding events, being the legal body that represents this. But all of the technical decisions take place by the working group, by the technical steering committee, the working group under the guidance of the technical steering committee, which is independent from the GraphQL Foundation itself. Like, I'm not a member of the GraphQL Foundation, and I'm on the technical steering committee. So the foundation itself isn't involved. But let's uh, let's imagine you're asking about the you know, the GraphQL working group and things like that. We don't have any like oversight over that kind of thing. We will help you. Like we'd love to help you, but it's up to each like ecosystem to build its own library or libraries. Generally, what a lot of ecosystems do is they effectively follow the GraphQL reference implementation and then just translate the code from that into the code for their relevant language, which is great, but it does mean if there's any transcription errors between the spec and the reference implementation, everyone gets them, uh, which is entertaining. But yeah, like we like to support people like that. And there are quite a few. Uh, so for example, Hot Chocolate and GraphQL Java have representatives that attend the um, the working group uh, most months. But we also try and get the others involved. We ping on the GraphQL working group GitHub repositories to say, here's this new feature we're thinking about adding to GraphQL. Is this going to cause any problems for your language? Because some languages, you can get problems, you know, Null handling, for example, is an interesting one. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of um, discussion that takes place between the various implementations. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's get into the Graphile world. I really want to know kind of like origin story. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but let's go into the proper origin story. And I want to maybe like talk about some of the different libraries you have, which I guess will come out of the orange origin story. So I'll give you the floor for this one. Absolutely. Thank you. So Graphile came out of my work on PostgraphQL, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning. One of the things that I really liked about PostgraphQL was that it effectively removed like two middle layers. So when you've been building things for so long, you've picked up all these like software best practices, right? Which are great for really, really, really large teams, like the size of teams at Facebook and things like that. But they're not always the best thing to use in small scale. And a lot of us, and when I say small scale, I, you know, a company with a hundred, uh, sorry, with like 10 developers or a hundred employees is relatively small scale when you compare it to, you know, Amazon or Facebook or whatever. So like scaling is always a, like, where do you fit on, on that spectrum? One of the, you often like have to, I mean, even take Rails, you, you build like a model and your model represents your, your database table. And it tends to be, you have a database table called users, and then you define a model called users. And then you have an endpoint that exposes that model. It would be like your users endpoint. And then you send a request from your graph, from your front end client that says, Hey, I want to get the users. And then you turn that into a model on the client side that you probably call users. And then you use those users. And that's like, what's that? Like database, model, controller, endpoint, 
client-side representation. That's five different layers that all are the same thing. And like one of the things I really liked about PostgreSQL is it just said, nah, we don't need none of that. And to be honest, it's generally quite accurate. I would say maybe 80% of your data model, you've got things like this where you've got a database table and it's the same throughout the whole stack. Sure, you maybe you rename a few fields, maybe you add some extra relationships, maybe you do some other subtle tweaks, but broadly it's the same thing. It represents the same thing. And I really like that because it basically meant that I could go from writing a database definition to having a fully running API in virtually no time at all without having to worry about models and controllers and endpoints and you know all the rest of it. Which was great. Like for someone who has chronically wrote startup after startup after startup, like being able to just get to the end immediately, test the thing and then go back later and worry about all those, you know, best practices or whatever later was fantastic. Now that you put it like that, that actually sounds a little bit ridiculous. Having a user's table and a user's model and a user's controller. I've never never really thought about that, but that is kind of ridiculous. It is. I think there is there is definitely like the the five or ten percent space where it does make sense, where you are, you know, aggregating large things and and you want to sure. deal with this abstraction. But for the majority, like it is pretty linear. Yeah, I got excited about that. I started being involved in PostgreSQL. I became the maintainer, as I mentioned, uh, via being CC'd on an email. And uh, and yeah, I, I've gone from there to maintaining this this post PostgreSQL. One of the biggest things that I wanted with PostgreSQL originally, like before I became the maintainer of PostgreSQL, I tried fixing the performance issues in PostgreSQL directly, um, struggled, and thought actually there's a better way. And for those of us familiar with like building GraphQL APIs, you'll probably be familiar with the data loader pattern. This is one of the ways of solving the, the so-called N plus one problem. But I thought, well, this is all just doing, you know, select from table where ID equals seven or whatever, or where ID is in a list of these IDs. But it's not leveraging like the features of the database. I use Postgres. Postgres can do so much. Why is it not using any of that? Also, Postgres has a query planner. Like it could figure this stuff out and do it in the most efficient manner possible. So I set out to try and figure out how can we make it so that we can build something like PostgreSQL that actually looked at what GraphQL was requesting, translated it to SQL, executed that, and then sent the result back as a GraphQL response. And uh, I did about a two-week hack project where I built the very beginnings of this. You know, it got it gathered steam. I became the maintainer of PostgraphQL. I um, renamed it to PostgraphQL due to uh, the fact that GraphQL, I think, is a, is a trademark. And so renamed it to PostgraphQL. Yeah, in, incorporated my new experimental idea into what became PostgreSQL version four, which we've now had on the market for three and a half years, I think. We're on 4.12.5 now, I think. So there's been a lot of releases over the last few years, adding more and more and more functionality. In the meantime, whilst working on this and whilst working on client projects to help fund it, obviously, I've taken a whole bunch of the patterns that I have previously been doing myself internally and turned those into open source projects. So I've got, for example, Graphile Worker, which is a job queue for Postgres. It's meant to be used from Node or from Postgres. One of the great things about it is you can tie it into your database triggers. For example, if you use database triggers, you can say, whenever I insert a user emails record into the database to say the user's added a new email address, send them an email. Um, and I just add it to the job queue as part of the trigger. And I know no matter how that email gets added, whether it be through the web dashboard, whether it be through a backend process, whether whatever happens, it will always happen. That's one of the great things about being database centric is everyone has to go through the database. There's never this, you know, 
don't redirect everyone through the web API when it doesn't make sense, when you can just have the database be the source of truth. And I think that's been really, really valuable. 